Welcome to Cats by 90, a podcast dedicated to you, the Big Blue Nation, basketball, football, and the latest recruiting news. If it's Kentucky sports, then it's here on Cats by 90. Now, from SB Nation's A Sea of Blue, your hosts, Big Blue Drew and Aaron Gershon. Thanks for joining us on an episode of the Cats by 90 podcast brought to you by SB Nation's A Sea of Blue. Big Blue Drew and Aaron Gershon here, and, and we're, just, we're just jumping right into it too, Aaron. I mean, obviously, we're one night removed from the Champions Classic. Um, just a horrible week in general, I guess. It's been three games since we last spoke on the podcast. But my biggest thing, I guess, Aaron, was I had a night to sleep on it, and I woke up more upset and more concerned than I was when I went to bed. So we'll have a... a a good amount of time, I guess, to digest all that happened. But I guess what was your initial takeaway, Aaron, just, just from last night's performance in general? Well, it started really good. <laughs> that was my big takeaway. And, you know, I guess to start on a positive note, uh, I am encouraged by the fact that at least, you know, it, first of all, it's three games. So we got to take all of this with a little bit of a grain of salt here. But I am encouraged that the defense and rebounding is already kind of established with this team. Whereas the last couple of years when we've seen these slow starts and really the team with Shea and Knox never got going until March, but that's a different story. But, you know, at least the defense and their rebounding, you can see there's intensity on the defensive end. Their length is giving, I mean, Kansas shot 29% and that's why it's so aggravating. They lost the game, but the defense is there. The rebounding is there. That's good. But my overall takeaway is one uh, is the offense is it the shooting? I think, I think, I, I don't know, but my, my, I guess, wishful thinking is that these guys have the talent to shoot and make consistent shots. Uh, one, the shot selection was hideous and just horrible, but if they are able to kind of, you know, that's the young team in them. So if they take the right shots later in the year, you think they'd fall. My concern is they won't. Maybe this is just not a good shooting team, but I think that'd be, too, it's too early to tell whether or not that's the case yet. Um, and then the, the lack of passing and, like, what, eight assists the whole game, and then they didn't have one in the second half against Richmond, that's concerning. The turnovers are very concerning. Uh, the poor free throw shooting is really concerning. But I am obviously the one really mental lack of energy play I can recall off the top of my head um, was the Isaiah Jackson failure to box out on that free those after two missed free throws by Kansas. But overall, I thought the energy was good. I thought the defense obviously did a great job, only 29% from the field. Uh, I think they out-rebounded them again, which would be the second straight game. So yeah, that's all like positive. like plus 10 on the boards for the season. I mean, that's yeah. positive. But at the end of the day, man, you got to just face facts. I know it's a small sample size, but 9 yeah. for 47 from three. Like, good shooting teams just don't go through streaks like that for, like, the vast right. majority of, you know, examples you're going to find. So that's really tough to swallow. I mean, no assists in the second half of that game. Only two Kansas players made field goals. And you somehow, you know, kind of squander what you had going in the first half. So I agree with you. I, I mean, there's definitely positives that we can draw attention to. Like, one I'll just get out quickly is I, Isaiah Jackson could be a unicorn, man. He, watching yeah. him play is just every, you know, every couple minutes, it's just like things are clicking more and, and you see more of his ability. But overall, man, like I said, shooting. And, hey, I, if you remember, Aaron, if you're a listener to the Cast by 90 podcast, 
I said a lot over the summer and kind of fall getting into this basketball season that I never really was saying that I thought B.J. Boston and Terrence Clark would struggle, but my question was presented as what if they do? They were just sharpied in, especially B.J. Boston, as just Kentucky's best player. You know, you knew where you were getting from him, and, you know, he is averaging 15 points a game and stuff, but it's just obvious that he's, you know, figuring out the college game. And I don't know, man. You know, it's like now it seems like the only consistent option you only really have on offense is Olivier Sarri's in foul trouble, you know, his entire career, basically. So last night having Keon Brooks would have helped a lot, though. They would not have had to do that scramble. Jacob Toppin was in the game with a tie game in the Champions Classic against Kansas with four minutes to go. <laughs> That's definitely not how we expected this, things to draw up. But uh, I think – I'm really torn on how the you know where I am on this whole thing. It's just it's hard to tell if we're overreacting, we're underreacting, we're reacting right. fairly. I mean, it's just there's so many different layers of it. I, I, the defense again, I'll go back to it. It really encourages me. Just uh, remember, they gave up what 114 points to Duke in that Champions Classic game, yeah. so it wasn't anything like that. There was plus ten on the boards for the season. Like I said, plus yeah. ten on the board. So right. And that's something Kentucky hasn't quite – I mean, Evansville out-rebounded them last year. That was a huge reason they lost that game is they couldn't rebound. So I'm encouraged by that. And I think with talent, that shots will fall. But like you said, uh, maybe we didn't – I mean, I guess if you think about it in hindsight, other than Devin Askew, who we all – we can get into the point guard situation later, but there wasn't really a sharpshooter in this class like uh, Calipari's brought in before. And even the last couple of years, whether it be Jamal Baker or – Johnny Juzang, those sharpshooters haven't even panned out. But there really isn't a guy that you think of on this team that can shoot the lights out of the basketball. And that scares you a little bit. I think B, I think BJ Boston – I'm not worried about BJ Boston, really. I mean, he's shown flashes. That dunk, uh, like you said, he scored in double figures. Each game is averaging 15. Uh, he had the double-double against Richmond. Terrence Clark, I think, has been the one who's been a lot shakier, especially the shock selection, that one shot he took, I think it was either under one minute or close to it, that one three where he had all that time and just chucking it up. Like, what the hell are you doing? So I think that's more an adjustment to the college game than anything else. But uh, I'm not, those, I still think those are going to be the two guys you need. I think it's a good sign that Olivier Sarr is consistent offensively. I think Isaiah Jackson's defense is great, but I, I mean, like you said, Jacob Topin wasn't even supposed to play this year with the NCAA transfer rules in Kentucky, not even wasn't even going to apply for one if everyone wasn't getting one because of COVID. So it's definitely a head scratcher. But, you know, it, it's a lot of trial and error in these three, three, first three games because it's so early. I know COVID could affect how many games you play, but it's still very early. Uh, there's time to experiment a little bit more. Georgia Tech is not very good who they'll play on Sunday. This team has shown, like, glimpses of the early Calipari years. Like, there's been plays and times, yeah. and, like, I mean, BJ had that incredible dunk last night. There is times when they put it together, like, you know, you know, elite move, elite move, and making the right pass. And there's been a couple times I know they didn't finish on, the like, the other end of that with a foul or something, but they have shown that. So, I, I'm with you. Like, I still think this team could be Final Four good because of the way they protect the rim. I mean – there for a while, it looked like it could potentially be the UCLA seven-point, you know, game in that CBS Classic because their defense is just suffocating. But, I mean, we're, we're not just talking about, like, some offensive kinks here and tweaks and all that. I mean, think about that again. Kansas shot 29%. Two people score for them field goals in the second half, and they managed to not be able to put the ball in the hole enough to do that. So, we know B.J. Boston still hasn't hit a three. Terrence Clark hasn't hit a three. 
And again, I remember something. Do you remember us talking about this? And um, we mentioned it a little bit um, last week when I talked to Jack, but these videos over the summer with all these guys making 30, 40, 50, you know, however many seconds and minutes of jump shots in a row. And that terrified me, honestly, because I was just like, I feel like everyone's going to come in kind of expecting this shooting display and, and them, you know, thinking that's their game. But I don't know, man. They, Cal can't fix 19% shooting from three. So if they don't – and, I mean, if we get through six games, Aaron, and they're still ex- struggling to, you know, this extent or even a little bit better, then it is going to be time to really, like, look at the panic button because yeah. you just can't cut down nets that without being able to shoot from three somehow. Yeah, no, and you're, you're going to have to worry about even getting into the tournament just with how much parity there is in college basketball this year. And Ooh. obviously it's going to be crazy with COVID. That, that's assuming it's a normal 64-team tournament. But I don't think we're going to get there. I really don't. I think that uh, it's going to be a very similar case to every year with this Kentucky team. There's well, there, One, there's just too much damn talent. I mean, these guys aren't here for no reason. We all know how good a talent uh, evaluator Cal Perry is just look at the NBA and how many guys are linked to him so I'm not I'm not I'm just saying that would be the worst case scenario given the SEC is so loaded but I really I just don't think it's going to get there because this team has uh, you can see the fight that you know Cal Perry's questioned in other teams you can see this team has it I think they're just learning like you said the game I think there were definitely there had to be some nerves last night I mean the shot selection was that was I mean I know the assists were bad and maybe that's getting over the me me stuff from high school or whatever but uh, that's what killed me the most was the shot selection was just awful even the one Davion Mintz took late that ended up going in I mean he didn't even set his feet before shooting it and I know time was running out but still I mean there were the guys there so uh, the shot selection was just awful, and that, that I think, is coachable. I think a lot of this is coachable, which is also a plus. Yeah, I, I, he'll put them in better positions to make shots, which, you know, will solve a lot of problems. But now, so this, you know, one of the other layers of this to digest is the point guard situation. And I know several people that I'm in, like, you know, different chats and stuff that have said he's not going to be your guy to play point guard. Like, just people that know Creighton and stuff. Like, he's obviously, man, when he raised up and dunked that one, I was off the couch on that one. I didn't, I didn't know he had that in him. I know he seems to be wired to score. He wanted to take big shots last night. But I don't know that he's going to be the best facilitator. And then I don't know what to say about Askew, man. Like, it's one thing to go in and, you know, play poorly and have turnovers. But just to get ripped like that – three times consecutively I think it was um that's nervous for his confidence you know moving forward and then I don't know if you saw it too Aaron but Terrence Clark had some really bad body language a few times because he I you know they feel like he's holding the ball too long he's not giving it up on the break and slowing things down um but what are your thoughts on asking I mean is this is this something that's going to be lingering I think you're seeing why Cal Terry went out and got Davion Vince during uh, the middle of the pandemic. I think that, well, remember, Askew's a reclass guy, so he is extremely young. I think, I don't even know if he's 18 yet. I'd have to double check on that. I know he was 17 when they signed him. So he's a young, young guy. Um, and I'm sure that they, when they went out and got Davion Vince, it was because, one, they knew he was probably going to hit that freshman wall that, even the greats do. Anthony Davis had moments where he wasn't looking like the number one pick early in that year. So I'm sure that was part of the reason why, or I think that was the reason why he went out and got the veteran at guard, at point guard. So I think that asks you, I think they want him to play through it. I think that's why you saw them stick with him, especially in the Richmond game. What he played, 35 minutes, and Mintz played 10 or 15? Like, it wasn't even close. So I think that they want, they want him to play through it which I don't know if it's the right move, especially with this year 
and you not not knowing how many games you're going to get in and wanting to I mean, I'm not saying again, I, I, I'll say it again, but I, I don't mean it that they're not going to make the tournament, but you want to win as many games as you can to assure that spot, given the wildness of this year and God forbid an outbreak hits or whatever. So I don't know if playing through it in this year is smart. I think he's a guy that's going to be here more than one year. Uh, God willing, he takes the right advice and stays. Um, but at this point, just looking at how both guys have played, uh, I think you've got to at least, I don't know if you have to start. It doesn't really matter who starts. But I think the majority of the minutes has to go to Davion Mintz because, I mean, the guy, he, he shot as well as – I think he was the best shooter on the team other than Dante Allen who made his 1-3. Uh, he, was, he was the most consistent guy shooting the ball last night. I mean, a little 11 points and not as many minutes. So I think you got to get him in more. Kentucky's been wanting to play Devin Askew through the struggles he's had. I mean, and I think that would work in a normal year. But yeah, I seem to want to ride with him right now for sure. But, that's, right. you know – 120 minutes of basketball ultimately, but I don't know. Just every when I'm watching, and I don't know if it's a development thing. It just kind of seems like a style of play. Like he just seems to want to have the kind of the ball in his hands and and kind of run a, a half court yep. set. I don't I don't know. And they need to just get these guys flying out on the wing. And I'm just getting so sick of ugly basketball too. Like can Kentucky ever play games in the 80s consistently? <laughs> like who cares? Give up layups. Like Snowbird guys best half court. Like. I just, I'm getting so sick of these forced half-court slugfest yeah. games that just, ne- you know, I don't know. It's, I want to see some, like, 80s, 90s college basketball. You know, outside of a couple of the non-conference cupcake games the last couple of years, the even though you can count the Moorhead State game, the EKU game, that I think it was the home opener last year, what if Kentucky just had a game where, let's just say, either a non-conference, non-crappy opponent or SEC game that it's just felt – from top, from tip to the final whistle, that they were just in complete and utter control, and they were going to dominate that night. They just we have. When's the last time Kentucky, Kentucky scored a hundred points against a Power Five team? I can't think of it. I'm trying to. I'm going to try. It might be difficult to look up all the way, but I mean, they it's just. Probably, I don't know. It's just, actually, I don't know if it's just the way teams I, try to force them to play, or I like that they're trying to press a little bit more. It seems like they're trying to mix that in, but I don't know. Just yeah. speed the game up. Last time I remember them scoring 100 against the Power Five, and I think they hit 100 that night. It might have been like 97, was uh, the BAM Fox year when they were number one against Arizona State. And I think they were in the Bahamas for a, a, pre, a, a regular season tournament thing. And they absolutely wiped Arizona State. Yeah, I do remember that, actually. Yeah, you're right. That was that game was, I think, in the Bahamas or something. It was like a weird game night and stuff, too. That, okay, late, I remember right being now. really late, I want to say, so. But yeah, yeah, I don't know. It just doesn't have the same feel. Like, I, again, I would rather – it's awesome talking about how aggressive their defense is. I mean, you're going to have a chance to win games. Oh, my – I just realized how similar this is to Kentucky football conversation now that we're having it. But <laughs> we're not going to have the football conversation. But ultimately, man, the guy's got to put the ball in the basket. There's nothing else to it. So, moving forward, again, this next two, three-game segment, if we don't see a lot of that and kind of, like, ease those nerves, I am going to be – definitely my long-term outlook on this team is going to change quite a bit because – Georgia Tech's horrible. I had a chance to watch some of that um, four overtime game. There was not like 90 points scored in overtime in that Georgia State, Georgia Tech yeah. game. They lost. So they, they lost sucked. The um, Kentucky, what, what's your expectations, I guess, um, Sunday, Aaron? And like, what, what are you looking to see most to kind of ease your nerves on this team? I think one, 
if the shots don't fall, don't fret, but make them good at least. <laughs> I mean, we're just talking about the ugly, the ugly basketball. It's because they're taking stupid shots. And I, I go back to that Terrence Clark three when there was plenty of time and you chuck it up. Mm-hmm. Uh, Isaiah Jackson, who had a great game, it's hard to knock him too much, but he shot a three. He's not a three shooter. I mean, just – and there was time on the clock. It wasn't like the clock was winding down. There was time, and he took that three. Just let let things unfold. You're not a three shooter, even if it's wide open. That's not your game. So, I think I want to see better shot selection. I don't care if they fall right now because I think at the end of the day, they have enough talent where when things are going right, they'll fall. We've heard that's a – no one shoots – uh, the lights out of the basketball every single night. I mean, Emmanuel quickly went on that run last year. Um, Tyler Hero had a couple runs like that, but there were also games where Tyler Hero, I think, against um, Wood, Wolf or Woodford or Wolf or whatever the hell they're called, mm-hmm. in that uh, the game in Jacksonville that you and I both covered in person down there. I think he shot 0 for 9 that night, but his defense was outstanding and it didn't matter. So, you know, yeah, ha- but how many, how many good teams that you know you see go to the Final Four? have stretches yeah. like this. Like, that's what's, again, getting concerning is, like, I mean, 9 for 47, it's, at some point it's just, like, make yeah. shots or can't, well, you know, are you? Right. But I'm saying uh, right now don't worry about it. Like you said, if we get six games deep, we get into SEC play and this is a problem, then you could start saying, okay, this might not be a good shooting team and this could kill them come March if they get the freaking March. But I think the fact that we're three games in or, yeah, three games in, this is game number four. As long as the shot selection's better uh, and you're put in a better place, I, I think you're going to win. The, you should win this game either way. Like you said, Georgia Tech stinks. Lost to Mercer and Georgia State. That's embarrassing given both of those schools that are in their same state that, down in Georgia. So they get embarrassed by two mid-majors from their own state. Last year we saw them come to Kentucky and – you know, that game was, I think it ended up being 16, but it never felt like Kentucky was going to lose. And as far as Georgia Tech goes, I don't think they brought in anyone that's going to really change the balance uh, of power from last year. So this is a game you should be able to win. So I want to see better shot selection. I want to see passing, obviously. Eight assists won't cut it, at least. Yeah, no, assist, no assists in the second half either. Yeah. That was a 29% shooting of the game for Kansas. Two of their players <laughs> field goals in the second half. And yeah. zero assists for Kentucky, but uh, I asked Jack last week, Aaron, do, are you are you attributing any of this to like you know they're gonna have to kind of like break selfish habits, or is it strictly yeah. you know they just have no clue what they're doing right now? I think it's both. I think one, I think that there is some of the high school me 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 still there, and we've seen this before. Again, this is not anything new. This this is the price you pay uh, for doing the way for doing business the way Cal does, right? Every single year, it's this. It, it's a great talent. The team is, you know, the number one, two or three recruiting class in the country. I think they've been in the top three every year of the Cal era. And they also lose five or six guys from the year before, whether it be the NBA, they transfer out, whatever. So this is the price you pay is a slow start and things, you know, getting used to the college game, the speed, uh, the less selfishness, that all, this is every single year. I think what makes this year more concerning there's a couple of things that is, 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 that are kind of bringing a bigger emphasis and more concern. The numbers of shooting are just horrendous. But if you go back and watch the tape, the shot selection is bad. So you'd think if they get better shot looks that they're going to make at least some more. I'm not saying they're going to go from shooting whatever they are, 19% from three to 35, 40 or, uh, tomorrow, on Sunday. But you would think it'll slowly go up with the better shots they take. So – and the other thing is, we're, the state of the 
getting more eyes on this season, just given the fact normally you'd have the NBA would be in action right now. For people that care, hockey would be going. Football, we're in the middle of the season. Uh, and then as far as college football goes, we'd normally be heading into championship weekend. Uh, the SEC title game would be this weekend. So there's so much focus on other things throughout the world and people just living their lives that it, it now what, not everyone's sitting around watching these games all the time. But now when with the pandemic, that's what, what it is. And there's a bigger emphasis on everything. So I think we all need to calm down a little bit. Remember that this is every single year with Kentucky. But like you said, if this shooting thing goes on, for six some games and the passing has got to get better. I mean, I'm, I'm just going to table it and think that that will come, will come together just because Calipari will kill them. If it doesn't, I, I really think that it, it, it right now, it's just way too early to hit that panic button. We're three games in young team, may, maybe his least experienced one ever. Uh, it'll, it should come together. And Georgia tech, not only is Georgia tech a winnable game, Notre Dame, I think finished last in the ACC last year. That's a winnable well, think, game. Think about That's this too, Aaron. Like how much, how dangerous is this team going to be? If they can just make like four threes a game, yes. three threes, four threes, like it doesn't have That's to, like, you know, and shoot like six for 14 or, you know, anything even like that. Like if they could just make a couple, even they're just so yes. dangerous. You saw it last night. You even saw it against Richmond. They should have hit a couple, you know, in that first half, especially they could have extended that lead. And one thing that I think slipping under the radar because of that quick turnaround to from Richmond to Kansas, especially with the loss, Aaron, is there was a lid on the basket for the Cats that night. They probably – they had – I can think of like eight shots when I was watching that game. Um, I talked about it afterwards. It would have fallen. It was like touching net, and you wouldn't have thought twice about it. So there was Bill a couple points I, I feel like kind of got ripped off. Yeah, Bill Self even said that, and he said that both sides. He said he knew it was going to be a low-scoring game. So what, whatever you think about Bill Self, I could understand anyone who doesn't like him, but he, he was right. Uh, so we'll see if that will. I mean, they, they, remember they did shoot 0 for 10 against Richmond at Rupp, so the shooting is a problem right now. But let's see how it goes uh, down in Atlanta on Sunday against Georgia Tech. Uh, but the shot selection has to be better. They're not going to – they're not going to – you shouldn't expect them to make many shots with some of the shots they're taking. I mean, just the probability, I, I don't – they probably track the numbers of shot probability and everything nowadays. But it can't be higher than like 10% with some of the ones they were chucking up on uh, last night. I still am going to be beating the drum until something proves wrong that the game yep. should start. Before the under 16-minute timeout, Olivier Sar should touch the ball like three, four times. Oh, they should start the really? offense. And then the same thing with the second half. And then the same thing if they're having a rough segment. Because yep. they did that last night, Aaron. Like, and I, I put that on Twitter it because it was – they. yeah, he, as soon as they got real shaky there for a segment in the first half after they, you know, they built up that 13-point lead. And Sar checked back in the game after a timeout. They went to him on the block, and he made a great play. And then I think he ended up scoring again the next time down the quarter of the time after. So – that, to me, is like he's the ultimate stabilizer for this team, and they cannot forget that. When those shots aren't falling, he gets a quality shot, but he's got to learn to stay on the floor, Aaron, because this, this dates back to his time yeah. at Wake Forest now. He just fouls a lot. Yeah, he's an aggressive player, which you like the aggressiveness, of course, because that's what you want everyone to be, but you have to be smart. And some of the fouls he had, I think Cal called one of them the stupidest foul he's ever seen, and who knows if that's true or not, but you, besides the point, dumb foul. Um, so he's got to be smart about it, but you don't want to take – that's the tough thing with guys who foul. Is, and that was something I think with Ashton too, is you don't – it definitely was with Ashton. You don't want to take the aggressiveness out of a guy because it's such a good positive trait, 
and obviously a lot of the time it's going to help you because whether it's blocking shots getting steals like in Ashton's case versus blocks with like an Isaiah Jackson or Olivier Saar but you need them on the court and Olivier Saar every non-fast break possession obviously a fast break if he's the one down the floor whatever but every normal possession where it's just the you know 30 seconds to score uh, that guy's got to at least get one touch on the ball because there are just few humans walking in this earth with the physical uh, abilities of him being seven foot who can he can shoot from the he is very similar to Richard from where he can shoot on the post on the blocks eighteen footers he can hit them uh, when he's on and he's just not this team is so long and obviously he's the longest guy on this team but that's what's so positive with this team is if they can just get it going a little bit better offensively. The length, the rebounding, and the defense are going to make anybody have trouble with them. There's not one team, and unfortunately, I hate to say it like this, but now the one team I felt like could have a super year and be that kind of team no one wants to see is Gonzaga, and Jalen Suggs looks like he's out for the year with a torn ACL. Uh, Oh, no, I saw him went pop. Yeah, that's horrible news. I didn't know that. That's terrible. horrible. But my point is, I mean, and obviously I pray for him, and I hate it for him and Gonzaga. Gonzaga, because Gonzaga is one of those programs I root for personally, but uh, you don't, there's just no one out there when Kentucky is playing at their best, I truly believe it, not bias anything, that can beat them uh, just from a physical standpoint. I don't think there's anyone that can out-physical this Kentucky team. I think it's, you got to beat them by making them fail shooting and hoping you get enough rebounds and second chance points. Cause I really think this team is just physically better than anyone in the country. Yeah. I mean, you're right. When you sit here and think about the trees that they just have protecting the rim when you were talking yeah. at the beginning, like you're right. I mean, it, it's going to be very difficult. Keon Brooks isn't even back. They hit the boards, man. Exactly. I will say that about every, the guards hit the defensive <laughs> boards. Like, they the really do. One thing I'd like to see is, is them getting out on the break, maybe not hit the defensive boards hard, like I was saying, yeah. and get some offense started. But, yes, that that's all encouraging. I wish we were sitting here, though, Aaron, talking about, like, some, like, middle-of-the-road offensive struggles and how to plug some holes, not, like, put a dam up because, it, you know, they got to figure that out and figure it out in a hurry. But ultimately, yeah, I mean, we're looking at a defense, you know, that's – Seems mature beyond their years, considering it's barely December. Yeah, I was also wrong on Suggs. Uh, I guess they took him off, and he was carried off. It looked really bad. And there were some – I guess the reports about a torn ACL were wrong because it came in at the end of their game. So oh, that's good. good. I, say, I, saw him, I saw him walking up to the tunnel. Oh, while we're hitting other stuff besides Kentucky sports, Kyle Tucker just tweeted where Illinois State beat Greenville 177 to 8, uh, 108, I think. Oh, <laughs> and he God. said that's not a very – their strategy's not working or something like that. That's insane. Well, this is what I was saying, man. Kentucky would be lucky to get in the 77th. We had teams scoring 177 points. It's frustrating, but – yeah, they, Kentucky did score 81 against Moorhead, and I think part of it's the opponent. But maybe that makes me think maybe the shooting thing is somewhat mental, right? You knew you were going to beat Moorhead State. If you lost to Moorhead State, that's on equal ground to Evansville, if not worse. I mean, that Moorhead State team is just not good. Um, but they shot, what did they shoot that night from three? I think they were like six for 14. Something yeah, pretty I think, good. Uh, I don't know if it was that. I know they. I think they did make six. Might have been six for fourteen. I, so. I think it was six for fourteen. I know it was thirty-five percent, which is that's what you want from this team. You don't need a forty percent, <laughs> excuse me, three-point shooting team. You need like a third, even twenty-five to thirty-five would cut it with this with how physical they are. Because I think every, I think they're going to have the ability to have low-scoring games every single game with their defense. 
they just if, I, that's why I think some of it's got to be mental because they showed they can shoot, but there wasn't much pressure in that game because of who the opponent was and the fact that I mean I don't know how much rough is going to help this year just because there's not a big crowd, but that was just a low pressure game. So maybe this Georgia Tech game, there's obviously going to be pressure on them to prove they don't stink because of the way these last two games went. But maybe just just not think, if they can lock out the outside noise and shoot like they did that first game, they're going to be fine all year long against anybody. Shooting six for 14 from three with this team, with the way they defend, they'll have a chance to win every single game. Well, I wonder how much of it is going to be playing into confidence. You're right. I mean, we've, we've seen it. We know these guys are, you know, McDonald's All-Americans. We've got the transfers that are, you know, which he's David Amens has kind of been showing it, I guess, but yeah, they got to put some some shots in, and you're right, they were close, I guess, six for sixteen against Morehead State. So I mean, that, you're okay. right, that was encouraging. They hit six threes, but you know how much of this is going to mount up mentally? Because what is it, I guess, in the last two games? It's what two for, I don't know, two for twenty-seven or something like that. So got to make some shots against Georgia Tech. I think. Uh, you know, being being where it's played at, hopefully it'll help a little bit and we'll have to see. But what are your expectations, I guess, Aaron, and what would you, besides shooting, because we obviously killed that, what do you kind of want to see? What would make you feel a little bit better um, on Sunday night? After- yeah, I think it's obviously a win. That's the most important thing. doesn't matter really. To me, it doesn't matter how you do it. Just go win. Get to two and two. Uh, you don't want an overtime game or anything, but if you can win by four plus, uh, just not a one possession nail biter. But if you can win like a four point plus game, I'm feeling pretty good about that. Uh, the assist numbers. What wow, are hold on, hold on. Is, is that the measuring stick for Kentucky right now to be this early to Georgia who lost to Georgia State by four? Yikes. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, I'm only saying that because, look, everyone plays better against Kentucky. I mean, that's just a given. That's what it is. And remember, Georgia Tech's coach, the name is slipping me right now, but he's buddies with Cal. They coach together at Memphis. Fastener, yeah, yeah. Be, what a goober. He's going to want to – yeah, what a, he's a weirdo, but that's besides the point. <laughs> he, my point is he's going to have his team ready to play. Um, so I think that that will – I think it's going to be – I don't think – I think they're going to win the game by 10. I really do. I think that it's because Georgia Tech's not very good. I just think the thing we need to see is want to win. That's the most important. doesn't matter how you do it. And besides the shooting, like you said, which we already got, uh, same thing on defense. Literally just keep doing what they're doing defensively. And share the rock more. Uh, don't take dumb shots. Just share the ball. If you don't take dumb shots, too, uh, you're going to get more assists because that means you're past, making the extra pass to, to score that bucket. So they hit. I, I want to see them get to – I want to at least see them double the amount of assists they had against Kansas. I want to see at least 16, which I still think is a pretty low number. I'd have to look at what the yeah. average is, but at least get there. It's so hilarious how Georgia Tech's um, four-overtime game has inflated their stats for the season. They're averaging 97 points a game. Moses Wright's averaging 25 over 25 points a game, but they've only played um, two yeah, games, not three like Kentucky. So I guess they'll be they'll be a little bit more rested too. So when was their last game? I think they it was last three. Friday. So they're gonna have not, they're gonna have nine days, and they're gonna have a lot of film too. Yeah, their last game was against That's Mercer on Friday, 11:27. Yeah, lost to Mercer. I think they're gonna be ready to play. They're going to be ready to play. That's why everyone's ready to play when they play Kentucky. There's a chip on their shoulder. And that's why we just talked about a little bit earlier in the show that all these games, that Kentucky, every single game Kentucky plays, it feels like it's close. And that's because other teams want to bring their best out. So Georgia Tech's going to bring it. It's going to be close at times. But if Kentucky at least shows uh, they can take better shots, even if they don't all fall, they pass the ball around more, they keep the same defensive energy, 
I'm, as long as they win, I'm pleased. Well, we got so we got Bubba Parham coming to Rupp Arena for the third year in a row. I, uh, I watched both of his games, including the really impressive one before he transferred to Georgia Tech. So, and you're right. I mean, they're going to come in now, not only rested but super hungry and desperate. Essentially, you know, they've. I mean, they're going to throw oh, everything. Yeah. With I didn't realize they had that many days off. So. It's going to, have to take a big effort, and I just want to see this team pass the eye test again. You're right. I mean, yeah. I said that before Kansas, that I would have been fine, especially with the way that the score ended up, if Kentucky just looked, you know, had some swag to them and ultimately just kind of looked, you know, looked freshman down the stretch or something like that. But I just need to see the swag, pass the eye test, man, really share the ball and just kind of look like some continuity with these McDonald's All-Americans. And then everything else in between, I mean, they're so far ahead defensively, and I think that they have weapons there that are just, you know, stuff you don't have to teach, protecting the paint. So that's a luxury, man. That should hopefully be kind of a patch and a crutch to fix the offense over time. Yeah, like I said, I'm very encouraged with the defense, and I'm happy with the energy. I think the energy is there too, Um, and the fight is there. So. Uh, everything else, I really think it's coachable. That's why I'm not panicked yet. But, yeah, you're right. The six games, I think, is a fair – I think that's all they got non-conference left, right? Or maybe even less than that. What do they have? They got Georgia Tech, UCLA, uh, Louisville. Is that it? And Notre Dame, five more. So, let's see. Um, let's see. Oh, real quick. I know what I was just – I was kind of drew a blank there. Um, I wanted to talk about – so, I'm pumped. I'm hopefully going to be covering I'm – I'm skipping men's hoops. Hopefully Sunday and cover the women's game. Women have a huge game yeah. um, on Sunday against like I think Indiana's ranked like 16. They'll get um, the nation's leading returning scoreback Ryan Howard. I hit up yeah. our boy Evan who's been on the Kentucky Dad podcast and you know does all that stuff. So hopefully um, I find a way in there and I'm really excited about that because that should be that's about that's really high level college um, basketball on the women's side. Well, they've been the best team on campus the last few weeks, uh, the way the football season has turned out, and we'll see how they come out on Saturday. But, um, yeah, no, they're exciting. Ryan Howard, I, I'm excited. She'll be back. They play tomorrow at Kansas State, so I'll tune into that one on TV. I, I'm excited to see her play. But, yeah, Indiana, I think they came in I think they came in ranked uh, – I want to say they were – Kentucky was 11th. I think either Indiana was right in front or behind them. So that should be a battle. Those school, two schools are – it's a shame we can't get the basketball game in. And even looking back on it, it would be fun to, now the way Indiana football – give them credit. I know we don't love the Hoosiers on this podcast, but they almost – they could have beat Ohio State. They're having a hell of a football year. They're kind of a similar story to what Kentucky was a couple of years ago. So that – remember, they used to play in football every year, and that would look a lot of fun right now. It really would. Yeah, their basketball team's trash. So they got, I think they shot like 22% yeah. the other day, but they did get a big win today. I saw they beat they beat Stanford. Uh, Trace Jackson, he's, he's really, really good. Yeah. So I wish Kentucky played them and wiped the fourth in. But that, we don't have time for all that. The Texas is legit, though. That, I mean, I'm not saying Indiana's good, but Texas, Texas, this might be the year Shaka Smart actually gets it together. They look good. Yeah, there's been so much basketball, man. I wish I had a chance to watch it more. I've been, you know, working a lot of this stuff been on during the day. Did uh, did Gonzaga win? I, I, mean, I didn't see the end. Yes, they beat West Virginia by 11. No, oh, I'm wow, man. When I was watching, they were down five. a few points. West Virginia's man. number 11, yeah. Yeah, they won 87-82. And West Virginia is always – they scare the sh- they scare the crap out of me, West Virginia, uh, with their press. I, I really – I know that Kentucky got them in the tournament that one year and ran them <laughs> over, but that was – that was the cat year, but I wouldn't want to play them with any other Kentucky team. That was my favorite, man. It was all week we were all nervous because I was a Sweet 16. You had the week to, you know, worry about Press Virginia. Virginia and Bob Huggins knowing Calipari and his tendencies, and, man, they just beat them like a drum. That was that was awesome. <laughs> but, 
All right. Love it all. Any final thoughts, Aaron? We didn't talk any football. Any last things you want to throw in before we wrap it up? Yeah, I just I think on the football front, it's going to be Saturday is a really interesting game to me. I know not many pe- I don't even know how many people are going to watch the damn thing, and it's unfortunate it's gotten to that point for this football team. But are you uh, going really here? to me? That- no, I'm in Connecticut, so I'll be oh, right, on the couch and over in from here. But to me, it's going to come down to which team. It's I know this sounds cliche. I said it on the Big Blue Insider too, but it's going to come down to which team actually wants it, right? Uh, South Carolina, two and seven. They're you know they lose their coach, he gets fired. Uh, they had opt outs, a lot of them. So do they even give a rat's ass about this game? And Kentucky, Calvin Joseph opts out just minute hours after Mark Stoops. Uh, during his weekly press conference, uh, praised all the guys for sticking with it. Um, he just—I mean, we'll get it, we can get into that another time. But he quit. Um, that's the best way to put it. So, does Kentucky have any? What are they motivated to play for? So, to me, whichever team plays motivated football will win Saturday. And uh, to me, the most interesting storyline. There's two interesting storylines to watch with this Kentucky team after the game, whether they win or lose. One, especially if they win. Will they accept the bowl bid? And the only reason I think they decline is if they're just mentally drained, given the COVID year, given John Schlarman, uh, Chris Oates, go on and on. Um, so that's the first thing to watch. And the second thing to watch is whether, even if they do reject it, um, will there be moves Because when it comes to the staff? Because that, that doesn't wait, because it's, it's Black Monday. It's, um, if you want to hire an outside coordinator or whatever, uh, you need to make room so you can get them quick and get in line for those guys. So... Uh, we'll see what if Stoops makes any changes. I know he's very close with Eddie Grand, um, but uh, this all, it's hard to. I love. I really do like Eddie Grand. I'm all. I'm a fan of his. Just what he did last year to help that offense and put a new playbook together in a week. But it, it's just hard to. I don't know how you keep him around with the year they had. It. I, I want to keep him, but this year it's kind of it, it swayed me to the side of maybe got to make a change there. Yeah, so it's it's ten o'clock the night after the Champions Classic. I I have no comments on Kentucky football. I can't even I can't even open that book it's right so now. We're, we're closing that so like an umbrella. It really so, is. Yeah, get motivated to play to play that game. Good luck. Good uh, luck to the night game. It is going to be freezing in Lexington uh, on Saturday. It's going to be disgusting weather. How many fans do you think show up? How many fans do you oh, think show up? 12, I don't know. I think we're allowed to go twelve thousand. I say I don't know four thousand maybe. Yeah. How many been going though? Gonna They've even be... been selling out to twelve thousand. Is it? They say they have, but I mean we're at every game. The I the I was the Mississippi State crowd was very good. The Ole Miss crowd home opener was okay. The Vanderbilt crowd was almost non-existent. And then um, what was the other home game? Georgia had there was a Georgia had a good crowd too. One it was Georgia and two there was a lot of red in the stands. Well, all right, man, we'll check it's out the football year. game and then what'd you say? It's just a lost year. It really is. Yeah, uh, dude, I'm just everything, man. You're right. It, it'll be. It's going to be kind of like a interesting off season. I'll just say that for Kentucky Very football. And there'll, there'll be there'll be lots of uh, lots of chatter, lots of things to talk about on the yeah. podcast. But hopefully next week, man, we're talking about at least a, I guess a football win in the year. That would be nice. And then definitely some um, some basketball positives that we'll check for on Sunday. But have um stay warm up there in Connecticut, and we will chat next time, man. Yep. Thanks for listening. Make sure to follow Cats by 90 on Twitter at Cats by 90. You can also follow Aaron and Drew at agershon99 and at BigBlueDrew33. And remember, no matter the opponent, it's always Cats by 90.